Well, Ashley, thank you so much for the ways you have served us over this past month. Phenomenal teaching for our O kids, and I'll even say phenomenal teaching for me. Uh, wonderful to be together today, wherever you are joining us from. Great to have you with us. I want to say hi to all of our Orangewood family here in Orlando or around the world. Great to be together. Uh, before we get to our sermon of the day, I want to give you just an update about our regathering here on the campus for on-campus Sunday worship. Uh, our elders met this past week, and, and we voted to pass a, a motion that would include a soft reopening starting August 16th with an official reopening September 13th. So we will have details and protocols that still have to be worked out that we will get to you before the 16th as they are formulated. But I wanted you to know our plan and this excitement for us to join together again uh, on our campus for Sunday worship. We cannot wait to see you. We cannot wait to be together. Uh, it's gonna be a wonderful time, August 16th. Uh, but we'll be informing you about information, more to come, about protocols and everything we have to do to make sure we are safe together. Uh, if you still want to join us uh, online, uh, we look forward to having you as well. We'll continue with our online service, uh, but we will be making room once again here in two weeks for you. Uh, our sermon of the day, we are finding ourselves in this phenomenal book of Proverbs. If you're new with us, I'm really glad that you are here, wherever you're joining us from. Wonderful to have you with us. Um, we are in this series called Wise Versus Lies, uh, where we're looking at this ancient book and what it has to teach us uh, as modern people living in a modern society on the various topics uh, that we encounter in our world. And, and this morning, uh, we need to hear about the importance of wisdom and its healing power uh, in our lives. And so wherever you're watching from this morning, if you are willing and able, as weird as it may seem, uh, sitting there in your own home, if you are willing and able to stand uh, out of reverence for God's word, as I read uh, our section of scripture from Proverbs chapter four, and this is what it says. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom and whatever you get, get insight, prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let her go. Guard her for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked. Do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. 
Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated wherever you are. This morning, uh, four things that we need to consider. Uh, The purpose for wisdom, the importance of wisdom, the problem with wisdom, and lastly, the way to wisdom. The purpose, the importance, the problem, and the way. First, the purpose. Uh, I, I don't want to be on this point for too long, but, but, but Proverbs 4 wants us to know, and really it's a snapshot of the entire Bible. Uh, it, it wants us to know the importance, or I should say the purpose of wisdom. It says this in verse 18. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. Uh, God gives his instructions as a good father gives to his son. And the words are given for our flourishing. You see, I encounter people, uh, skeptics, people who have issues with Christianity and and things they'll say sometimes is the problem I have with, with, with God, with, with Christianity is is that, you know, God is, is a killjoy. He, he's out to limit me. He's out to, to, to pin me in, to box me in. Uh, He's the limiter of my freedom. Uh, But what God says and that you and I must see this morning is that you and I were designed and created in a certain way. Uh, We were created with particularity and we need to live into the fulfillment of the trueness of our design. Uh, I'll say it this way. Uh, Your car was designed for a highway. Now you could say, well, well, you know what, Tyler, I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to take my car where I want. I'm going to drive it off road. I'm going to drive it through the jungle. And that's right, you can. You can choose to drive your car in a jungle or drive it off-road, but for most of you, you will find a bent axle, you will find a blown tire, or you will find your alignment is out, and that's what awaits you. You see, your car was not designed for that kind of life, and so your car will languish. Uh, The fish has in a conversation with another fish uh, and the fish says, you know what? I'm tired of feeling locked in by all this water. I'm I'm, I'm tired of this pinned in feeling of being in water all the time. I've got to get out of here. I got to get out of all this boxing in that I'm experiencing. I've got to break through all these limits. Uh, The fish can choose uh, to leave the water as it flops back and forth on the dock. But no one looks at that fish and says, now that's freedom. Now, now that's living. Uh, and no one's going to stop that fish. No chains for that fish. No one says that. Uh, you, you actually, you feel bad for the fish. Uh, you, you look at this fish, you see it languishing. You see it suffering. You, uh, for that fish, you, that fish is not experiencing a flourishing life. It is, it is struggling because it has not lived into its designed limits. In much the same way, you and I were designed for flourishing. This is the purpose for wisdom, uh, that that you would learn the limits for what it means to be human. And, and, And as hard as it may be for you to hear, your flourishing comes when you begin by saying, I have limits. Uh, St. Augustine, who, who wrote uh, the book, The Confessions, which some consider to be one of the best works in all of literature, uh, St. Augustine was looking at his life and he was beginning to look back on how he had lived in his quote unquote freedom. And here's what St. Augustine said. He writes this, my sin consisted in this, that I sought pleasure and truth, not in God, but in other things. So it was that I plunged into miseries, confusions, and errors. I had become deafened 
by the clanking chain of my mortal condition. Do you see what Augustine's self-examination brings? He was essentially saying, I wasn't free. I rejected God. But, but notice what he says. He, he doesn't say, I, I rejected God and then God was out to punish me. He doesn't say that. He said, I, I rejected God and I was plunged into miseries. I, I, I found the clanking chain tied to my ankle. I wasn't free. Proverbs wants you to see that the purpose of God's wisdom is that you would flourish, that you would thrive, that you would find freedom within the limits of your created design. That you would find, as verse 18 tells us, the light of dawn that grows brighter and brighter and brighter every day. Now, the other piece to this purpose that we have to see, and you see that in that verse, the brighter and brighter, it's brighter, is the cumulative effect of our growth on our character. You know, God's wisdom that it comes to us, it doesn't come to us like a light switch. Uh, it, it, it comes by the slow path that we set out on of the goal of our internal character being formed by God's wisdom. You see, the purpose uh, for wisdom is the formation of our character. And Proverbs 4 tells us that this is the cumulative effect on your character, that you would grow brighter and brighter or that you will stumble and stumble in the darkness. You see, our character is formed by the small Daily, moment-by-moment decisions that we make. Uh, I I think it's said no better than by Annie Dillard, the author. She writes this. How we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. What we do with this hour and that one is what we are doing. Any addict will tell you, that their addiction was not some one-time situation. You see, any addict would tell you that their addiction was a collection of choices that they have made, step by step by step by step. And now you may be saying, okay, Tyler, I'm listening. I I, I wanna watch where I'm going. I wanna watch my steps. And that really brings us to the second thing we must see, which is the importance of wisdom. And the importance of wisdom, you have to read very far into Proverbs to see the importance of wisdom. In verse seven that was read earlier, we see the priority of wisdom and they can't make it any clearer than it says in verse seven. It says this, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom, get wisdom. Uh, In some ways, it almost sounds comical. It sounds redundant. It seems circular in its reasoning, but every foundational and priority structure to our life has that same reasoning, that same redundancy. We have to believe it because it is true. We, We have to develop a framework for engaging with the world. And as we look at Proverbs, Proverbs is telling us if you want balance and stability in your life, if you want a foundational structure that'll help you make it through a very chaotic world, get God's wisdom. But Proverbs also gives us other incentives for why it's so important, why wisdom is so important. It tells us in verse eight and nine that we are to prize wisdom and that she, that is wisdom, she will exalt us. Now, why do I say she? Well, in Hebrew, uh, which is most of the Hebrew uh, Old Testament and in Greek, which is the whole entirety of the New Testament, uh, they, they have um, declensions. They have definitions of how they make distinctions for their nouns, where they can be feminine or masculine. 
Uh, and so the Hebrew word uh, for wisdom, hakma, and the Greek word for wisdom, sophia, uh, philosophy, that word in Greek is philos, which is we grow our love, and sophila, philosophy, the love of wisdom. Well, those two words, hakma and wisdom, the Hebrew word for wisdom and the Greek word for wisdom, uh, get this, are both feminine. So if there are any women watching right now on our live feed and you want to make a comment saying, amen, I give you liberty to do so this morning. So it says here we are to prize her, to prize wisdom. Uh, verse nine tells us she's a beautiful garland. Uh, uh, we, we read in other parts of Proverbs uh, that, that, that wisdom's like a treasure. She's like gold or silver, as Ashley said. She's like rubies. There's this beauty to wisdom. And we are told here to, to get wisdom, to, to prize it. Now, you may be watching this morning. You may have uh, issues with Christianity. Uh, you may be a skeptic of Christianity. But, but one thing's for certain that we can say uh, that every modern person has to agree with is that this, there's this part of us, how we are wired. It's instinctive that we must prize something. Uh, there's this one great scene uh, in the phenomenal movie Lion King. 1994. Hopefully you've seen it. But if you haven't seen it, uh, the beginning of the movie opens up with this just dramatic scene of all the animals are running with excitement. There's an expectation in the air. They can feel it. And they have run to this one location. Uh, and there, if you've seen the movie, you know that Simba, the new Lion King, has been born. And, and they grab Simba and they have held him out uh, before the community. And everyone erupts. Everyone is full of excitement and anticipation because uh, Simba is held out. He is prized. He's held before the community and said, everything is going to be okay. Everything will be safe because he is here. There's something in our life that we are prizing above all things. Something that we are looking to in our life to give us meaning and purpose. Something that we are holding up, that we are putting for others and saying everything is going to be okay. This is what it means to be human. We have to prize something. We have to, we have to worship something. Uh, two quotes to really uh, get this out for you, to, to give some elaboration to you. The first one uh, is from Jonathan Edwards, uh, Puritan theologian, considered by many to be the greatest mind ever produced on American soil. And this is what he says in one of his sermons. He says this, if man does not give his highest respect to the God that made him, there will be something else that has the possession of them. Men will either worship the true God or some idol. It is impossible. It should be otherwise. Something will have the heart of man. And that which a man gives his heart to may be called his God. Jonathan Edwards, uh, he, he tells us there, there, there's something that will have the heart of man. Uh, something that you will prize, something that you will hold up and say everything will be okay, something that will give our meaning to our lives. And now what I know is that someone may be watching saying, well, Tyler, of course, Jonathan Edwards is going to say that. I mean, he's a Puritan. And so for those of you who are watching who are thinking that, uh, my second quote comes from the atheist David Foster Wallace, uh, a superb writer uh, who uh, was addressing graduates at a college and during his commencement speech, this is what he said. Here's something that's true. In the day-to-day -day trenches of adult life, there's actually no such thing as atheism. There's no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. 
the only choice we get is what to worship. And an outstanding reason for choosing some sort of God or spiritual type thing to worship, be it JC, Jesus Christ, or Allah, be it Yahweh, is that pretty much anything else you worship will eat you alive. Wallace says that we have to prize something. We, we have to worship something. There's, there's something that must be circular in our life, something that must be foundational to our core, something that we are holding out. But he says, Wallace says, anything other than God will eat you alive. Proverbs tells us, if you prize God's wisdom, she will exalt you. Whatever we prize other than God, whatever gets our worship, that thing will eat us alive, as Wallace put it. The foundation cannot stand. It's too unstable. Have you found this in your life? If you prize your looks or your appearance, you'll feel like you never have arrived. Uh, there'll, there'll be this sense where you, you always have a little more weight that you need to lose, or there's some feature about your body that you feel insecure that you'd always want to change. And that's just if you're a, a younger person. Uh, then, then you become someone who's like my age. Uh, you begin to look back on pictures of 10 years ago, and, and, and you begin to go, is that the same person? Is that me? I, I, I had all this hair. Now look at me. I'm so old. And then there's some of you watching right now who are saying, Tyler, you have no idea what old is. You just wait. You don't know the pain that's coming to your life. And so for those of you who are quote unquote older uh, than me, uh, for you, you live in a world where you have been pushed to the margins because of beauty, a culture that prizes and holds up and worships beauty like we do. You've been pushed to the margins and you feel it. You, you feel it when you walk by the glass and you see your reflection in the mirror and you say, is, is that me? <laughs> am, am I that old? If you prize beauty, you'll never get it. Uh, another one where we can see this playing out is an example is money. If you prize money, you always feel like there's more to get, more to have. Uh, if, if you look at all the decisions that you'll make, you'll see them through the lens of how do you get more money? Which means you'll find yourself taking jobs uh, where it's really not about the flourishing or fulfillment of your calling, but it's about the bottom line of the paycheck. How do I get more? And here's what I know after conversations with millionaires is there's always more to get. There's never enough. You'll just keep saying over and over in your life, all I need is just a little bit more. John D. Rockefeller, who some consider to be the, the, the richest person in American history, was asked in an interview one time, uh, hey, John, how much more will be enough? And his answer, which has lived through time, is just a little bit more. John D. Rockefeller uh, basically was the 1900s uh, Amazon Jeff Bezos. All I need is just a little bit more. There's just a little bit more that I need, and then I'll have enough. Then I'll have the meaning I'm looking for. Then I'll have the significance that I crave. Don't you see what Wallace is saying? You have to worship something. Everyone does, Christian or skeptic. You have to prize something. You have to hold it out to the community and say that this is the king. Everything's going to be okay. Everyone will be safe, but it won't. As Wallace said, outside of God's wisdom for your life, this thing you prize, it will eat you alive. 
it will become a clanking chain, making a deafening noise. You see, this really brings us to the importance of wisdom, but also to the problem of wisdom. Wisdom exposes us. It calls us out if we will listen. Uh, we've prized all these other things other than God. And what we find is that we have stumbled on the wrong path. We know that uh, life would be so much happier, so much more fulfilling if we lived into God's wisdom to be grateful about all that we have, all that we've received by his blessings. But what we spend our time doing is comparing ourselves to others or complaining about what we don't have. God's wisdom tells us, be, be joyful, be thankful for all that you have received. And, and all we can do is look around and see what we don't have. What's not going right. You see, everyone knows that the beginning path to wisdom would be to admit that we are not perfect and that all of humanity is not perfect. But we keep running into the situation where we put unrelenting standards on ourselves or others. Or worse... We look at our life and we find ourselves making mistakes, but making excuses for why we make those mistakes. But we keep expecting all the closest people in our life to be perfect. You see, what we find is that we move further and further down the wrong path and that we have to come to a place where we realize that. Stumbling in the darkness, as Proverbs tells us. And if we can admit, as verse 27 tells us in this chapter, we have swerved off the path. Now, for some of us, we have swerved off and it's been a small step by step by step decision. And for some of us, when we look at those small steps, it has created some big problems. And this is what we're getting to in verse 16. It says this, for they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They have they are robbed of sleep unless they have someone they have made someone stumble. At the end of the day, as Edward says, something has your heart. Something has filled your meaning and purpose. Some, something that you have prized and held out and said, once I get this, everything is going to be okay. And it's been a step-by-step -step decision for us with these choices that we have made. Now, I know what someone's thinking. It's the belief of pop psychology, uh, Tony Robbins, the, the giant, awaken the giant within, all the self-help literature that you can possibly read today. And this is the belief. It says this, well, just change the way you're thinking. Uh, just get on the right path. Uh, it, just, if you want to change your character, just do it. Just try harder. You can do it. Just believe in yourself. You've got this. And I want you to know this is the anthem of our modern culture, uh, but it really isn't that new. Uh, you see, uh, 1,500 years ago, there was a British monk named Pelagius, uh, and he lived at the time of St. Augustine. Um, and he believed this. He, he said, listen, you can change. You can do whatever you want to do. You just have to believe hard enough. You, you, you want to be a certain person? Just change yourself. You don't have anything stopping you. Nothing to hold you back from becoming the person you want to be. But Augustine said, all I know is there's a clanking chain. He knew the condition of the human heart that we have prized other things and they've eaten us up inside. Augustine knew our hearts have disordered loves. You see, verse 26 tells us we have to ponder the way of our feet. Which, which path are you on? Which way are you going? And if we're honest this morning, uh, we find as we ponder the path, our lives, our hearts 
are filled with inconsistencies and mixed motives. I think this is what it means to be human. Even in our best efforts of trying to do the right thing, we're seeking to just earn God's favor and to think a little better about ourselves in the process. This is the problem that Martin Luther, the great reformer of the 1500s, uh, experienced when he began to examine his heart. He, he went to meet with his mentor, um, the, his mentor, Johann von Stoppitz, to confess his sin. And Luther began to notice that it was not his irreligion that was keeping him from God, but it was his religion that was keeping him from God. You see, Luther was riddled with anxiety and fear as he was looking at his life. He was, he was trying to change his life just like Pelagius and Tony Robbins had told him, uh, just become a different person. But as he began to look at his life, Luther noticed he was becoming more prideful and more judgmental of others, not less. Luther realized that he didn't serve the poor to care for the poor, but he served the poor to feel better about himself. Luther realized as he pondered his way, as the Proverbs tell us, uh, he kept ending up in the ditch, not by being bad, but actually by being very good. Uh, Luther actually wrote a, a wonderful hymn called From the Depths of Woe, where he really uh, lays out what he began to examine in the human heart. And this is what he says. If thou iniquities dost mark our secret sins and misdeeds dark, Oh, who shall stand before thee? I mean, do you see the problem with wisdom? I, I, I mean, we need it. I mean, in Proverbs 4, it's basically showing us this is the way to life. Uh, this is the way to healing. This is the way to flourishing. Come get it. Verse 22 says, hey, if you want life for your body, life and healing, come get it. But how do we get this wisdom if we ponder our way and we find like Luther Oh, who can stand God before thee? Well, that brings us to our fourth thing, the way to wisdom. What's the way? Well, and, and really in this final point, I'm indebted to Pastor Tim Keller. What's the way to wisdom? Well, centuries, before Pro, centuries after Proverbs was written, uh, there was this rabbi named Jesus, and he had gathered his disciples around him. And he was sharing with them, uh, I'm, I'm leaving you and I'm going to God the Father and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And one of his disciples named Philip uh, said to Jesus, uh, Master, you're going to prepare a place for us, but Master, we do not know the way. We do not know the way to where you are going. I, I really appreciate Philip's honesty for speaking on behalf of everyone in the room. We've, we've, we've pondered our way. You know, Philip right here, he's using wisdom language. Philip's saying, look, we've read Proverbs. Uh, we've pondered the way to wisdom, but as we've tried to follow it, clearly we've swerved off the path. We don't know this way that you're speaking of. And Jesus's response shook the ground of human history like an Orlando summer storm. You see, his response was completely different than any other teacher who had ever lived. You see, every other teacher, every other rabbi, every other sage, every other modern guru, they all essentially say the same thing. I will show you the way. Do what I do. Follow me. I will lead you on the way to life. Through me, you will find this path. Through me, I will show you the way to wisdom. Every other religion and every other sage, from Rabbi Akiba to Muhammad 
to Tony Robbins, all of them are essentially saying the same thing. I will point you to the way. I will point you to the way. Jesus, unlike any other person who has ever lived, did not say, I will show you the way. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the way. Don't you see on the cross, Jesus allowed all of our darkness, all the wrong paths that we have chosen to engulf him, to take him over. As, as Luther's hymn declares, our secret sins and misdeeds dark, all of our darkness, all of our sin engulfed Jesus on the cross until it took his very life. Uh, don't you see, uh, he stumbled in the darkness on the wrong path so that we could experience the way to wisdom for us, the way to healing the way to life. Don't, don't you see the healing? Our healing comes through his, his hell on the cross. Jesus experienced this hellish agony as, as he experienced the path of life being taken away for, from him by God so that we could experience the life that God meant for us. Friends, do you see the love of God for you this morning? The outstanding, overwhelming, outlandish love of God for you in Christ. You see, the only way we can begin to experience the flourishing life of wisdom is to see the love of Jesus and the depths that he would go for you and for me so that we would know the outlandishness, the amazing love that God has for us right here, right now. Jesus is saying to you and me this morning, I took the darkest path. I went through the agonies of hell and it was worth it to be with you. This is the only way that your heart and my heart will get free of the things that we have held up and prized, the things that have entangled us, the clanking chains we find in our midst. This is the way that God sets us free when nothing else will. You see, once we begin to see why Jesus had to die, we begin to see the reason why he is the way, the only way. Or as Luther put it in the intro to his Proverbs uh, commentary, uh, we, we cannot begin to become wise until we first admit that we have been fools. That's, that's the beginning. We, can, we cannot begin to admit we have become wise until we first admit that we have been fools. That's the first step to getting wisdom this morning. I, I think this is really the main point that the Apostle Paul is getting at in the first chapter of first Corinthians. This is what he says, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. Uh, God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. And because of God, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. Jesus did not come to reveal the way to wisdom. He became, he came because he's the way. He is our wisdom. And all who put their confidence in Christ Jesus this morning and what he has accomplished begin to experience the healing power of wisdom in their lives. This is what Proverbs is talking about. Friends, this morning, hear the good news as St. Augustine has shared already, you may find the deafening sound of the clanking chain around your ankle, but through Christ Jesus this morning, you are free. As one song declares, in his freedom, I am free. 
Do you see what Christ has done for you? How he has made the way, the only way for you and for me to find the healing that we long to have. He is the way. You know, in that great hymn that I mentioned earlier by Martin Luther, From the Depths of Woe, uh, Luther shares this little section a little later in the hymn, and this is what it says. Though great our sins and sore our woes, his grace much more aboundeth. His helping love no limit knows, our utmost need it soundeth. Our shepherd good and true is he, who will at last his Israel free. Do you want healing this morning? This morning, do you want freedom from the clanking chain? There's only one way. There's only one man. There's only one path. Who will at last his Israel free? Jesus Christ. Go to him. He is the way. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that you have made a way outside of us for we would never have found it on our own. Now, Father, drive home the power of what Christ has done for us in the gospel so that we may be freed from the clanking chain to experience your healing power in our lives. For Jesus is not the way, but Jesus is not a way, but the way. And we receive him this morning as the redeemer of our souls. And we pray this in his name. Amen.